starting our new series entitled Miracles today. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6, we're going to read quite a bit of scripture today, um, and then we're going to get right into the, the content of the message. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can follow along on the screens. Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 1, and it says, The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made uh, hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, uh, the people from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying the crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels and uh, and too numerous to count. And they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to a starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. When they cried out to the uh, Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to Israelites. And he said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites, whose land you, uh, you now live. But you are not listening to me. Verse 11. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath a great tree in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abizir. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestor told us about? Did they, didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least of my entire family. Then the Lord said, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Now drop down to verse 24. Verse 24, and Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. The altar remains at Ophrah in the land of the clan of Abizir to this day. That night, the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old. Pull down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. Then build an altar to the Lord, your God, on the hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar, using as fuel the wood of the Asherah pole you cut down. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord had commanded, but he did it at night because he was afraid of the other members of his father's household and the people of the town. Early the next morning, as the people of the town began to stir, someone discovered that the altar of Baal had been broken down and that the Asherah pole beside it had been cut down. In their place, a new altar had been built. And on it were the remains of a bull that had been sacrificed. The people said to each other, who did this? And after asking around and making a careful search, they learned that it was Gideon, the son of Joash. 
Bring out your son, the men of the town demanded Joash. He must die for destroying the altar of Baal and for cutting down the Asherah pole. Verse 31, but Joash shouted to the mob that confronted him, Why are you defending Baal? Will you argue his cause? Whoever pleads his cause will be put to death by morning. If Baal truly is a god, let him defend himself and destroy the one who has broke down his altar. From then on, Gideon was called Zerubbabel, which means let Baal defend himself because he broke down Baal's altar. Soon afterward, the armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east formed an alliance against Israel and crossed the Jordan to campaign the valley of Jezreel. Verse 34, then the spirit of the Lord took possession of Gideon. Where are all the miracles. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. God, I pray in the next few moments that we have together that, God, you would speak to us, and God, that as we read your word, God, that the question of where are all the miracles, God, that we would come to some conclusion today and realize that miracles are still for today because you're the God of the miraculous. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. There was a mom who, uh, who took her daughter, 16-year-old daughter, Darla, to the doctor showed up at the doctor, and the doctor said, well, uh, what's going on? And the mom said, well, I, I just don't get it. My, my daughter, she's been having these unusual cravings, and she's putting on some weight, and she seems to be sick almost every morning. The doctor says, well, I'll, I'll, I'll do the checkup. So he did the checkup and comes back to the mom and says, well, I, I don't know what to tell you, but your, 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 your Darla, she's pregnant, probably about four months now. The mom is like, pregnant? How can this be? Darla, you, you, you've never even been alone with a man, have you? No, mom. I, I, I've never even kissed a man. Doctor just kind of looks at him and walks over to the window, stares out the window. About five minutes go by, and the mom is like, uh, do- Doctor, um, is, there, is there something going, going on out there? Doctor says, no, no, not really. It's just that the last time this happened, there was a star appearing in the east, and three wise men came over the hill, and there were angels singing in the heavens, and I'll be darned if I'm going to miss it this time. <laughs> Miracles. Miracles, miracles. I believe this. I believe that a lot of us are like that doctor, but rather than staring out of a natural window, we are staring out of the window of our soul looking for a miracle for ourselves. Looking for a miracle breakthrough in our finances. Looking for a miracle uh, uh, in your relationships to be restored. Looking for a miracle in your health. Looking for a miracle in your body. Or, or maybe you're not here at all needing a miracle, but you know someone that does need a miracle. And so you're like that doctor and you're looking out and you're just waiting for that miracle to happen. I believe that over the next six weeks as we begin to dive into this subject, I believe that God is going to begin to stir your faith and begin to encourage you to begin to contend for a miracle, whether it be for yourself or whether it be for someone you know because I believe that the God we serve is the God of miracles. Can you say amen? Amen. We are heading into the miracle season. Uh, Just that joke right there. Think about Christmas. Christmas is just around the corner, six weeks away. And really the, the the whole thing about Christmas, it's an absolute miracle. A virgin birth and and you know the whole Wiseman thing, stars, angels appearing to shepherds in the in the fields and singing. We are entering a miracle season. And I believe that this is the season that God wants to do a miracle for you or someone that you know. When you read your Bible, miracles were something that were experienced by people in the Bible. I mean, you can't really go much more than a couple chapters without seeing, wow, God did it again. He, he did another miracle. He came through. He, he answered someone's request. He answered someone's prayer. It happens time and time again, which, which really uh, uh, gets me stirred up because I believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if he did it for them in the Bible, then surely he can do a miracle for me. 
Come on, kind of like Humpty Dumpty, right? You like the way we rewrote that story? Okay. I mean, think about that. I mean, sometimes, yes, sometimes we fall and sometimes we crack, but the King of Kings comes and does a miracle that way and, and puts all the pieces back together. But sometimes God does a miracle and, and doesn't allow the cracks at all. And he steps in and, and he refrains that from, from happening to us. He is a God of miracles. And if they experience them in the Bible, we should, as Christ followers, as believers, be experiencing them today. Let me ask you this question. How many are here today? And you would say you actually need a miracle in your life. You're here today. Okay. You need a miracle. I'm, I'm going to believe with you, not just for the next six weeks, but today, that God is going to meet you where you're at. I believe some of you came today in faith, believing, God, I need a breakthrough. God, I need this miracle. How many here today, and you'd say you know somebody that needs a miracle? You know somebody. So, I mean, pretty much everyone sitting here either needs one or knows someone that needs a miracle. And come on, we serve a God that can do miracles today. Amen? You know, as I think about this question that Gideon, and we're going to get into it in just a minute, that Gideon asks the angel of the Lord, which is actually the Lord appearing, he says, where are all these miracles? Where are all the miracles that, that our, our fathers have told us about, that our ancestors have told us about? And he actually references uh, when they came out of Egypt because all those miracles that actually got them out of bondage. And that question, where are all the miracles, I think is one that, that I ask myself often because I believe that God can do it. And I find myself asking, where are all the miracles? Where are they at? We serve an extraordinary God. We should be living an extraordinary life. John 10.10 says this, that he came to give us life and that we might have that life more abundantly. There is a might in there. He came to give us life that we might have that life more abundantly. What separates us from, from the life and the abundant life? What is there that's gotten in there? Have we, as Christ's followers, become just, just settled with life? Have we come just content with, you know, this is life, you know, we go to church, you know, there's a cute video, and man, the pastor preaches, and all right, see you next week. The reality is, is this, is that if we do not believe that, that God can do the supernatural, and if we don't experience the supernatural in our lives, not, maybe, maybe not every day, but my God, weekly, if we don't tap into that, and we don't experience that, and we don't live by that, then ladies and gentlemen, we are nothing more than a Sunday morning social club right? I mean, go, just stay home and turn on TBN. <laughs> Don't do that, please come. But do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, if, if all it is is you, we're just a great community that loves each other, that's awesome, but so is the Boys and Girls Club. So is the pub down the street. Come on, okay? There's got to be something that separates us from everything else, and there is. It's a God who can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask, think, or imagine. Can you say amen? amen. That's, that, that's the God we serve. And, and, and the reality is this is, man, I love, I love the thought of Christianity. I love the thought of, of worshiping Jesus. I, I, love, I love the feeling that we get. But ladies and gentlemen, it's more than a feeling. It's reality. And, and I, I don't know about you, but I, I mean, I talk with people, and it's like, you know, I, do, I just love coming to church. I just get inspired. Awesome. I'm glad people get inspired in church. But listen to me. I don't want you just to be inspired. I want you to touch the presence of God in a real way that comes and touches you and begins to turn your whole entire circumstance and situation around. I believe that he is a God of miracles. Yeah, he's a God, God of miracles. We're, we're not called just to... Just to, just to live a little bit different, okay? 
We're not called just to walk this line of there, there's the world and here's us and let's see how closely we can blend in so we don't offend anybody and that way if we don't offend anybody, more people will come to our church. Or maybe we should cross the line a few times just to show them that we're relatable. Or maybe we should do what Jesus did. <laughs> Live a life that was so far out there that people are like, my goodness, <laughs> something different. We're called to live extraordinary lives. I believe in miracles. I've experienced miracles in my own body. I've experienced miracles in my family. Uh, when I think about my daughter, that one that did the uh, Humpty Dumpty thing, uh, when I think about her, uh, we, were in, uh, we were in Cosmail um, a couple years back. She was about three years old, and uh, we were on Cosmail, and she happened to just, she's, she, all my kids, they're just rambunctious like their mom, and um, she's joking. And, uh, and so they were, you know, she was off exploring. We just turned around for a few seconds, and all of a sudden we heard this crash, and we turned around, and she had climbed up on one of these stools at this restaurant. It was a taller one, and it was a taller, like, bar size high table. And when the chair started to crash, she grabbed onto the table, and she pulled the whole table down on, and it crushed her arm. And when I ran over, I lifted off the table, and I looked, and her arm, like, had a U in it. Like, it was, I mean, I, I'm not a doctor, but I looked, and I was, I was crying in pain for her. Come on, somebody, Okay. And I picked her up, and there happened to be a pediatrician on the, on the trip with us, and he come running over, and he's like, man, that's broke. you got to get her to a doctor right now, okay? Um, and so, I mean, you know, I've heard horror stories about going to doctors in remote places in Mexico, so now I'm really freaking out, and I'm just like, man. You know, so I grab her, I hold her in my arms, I jump in a cab, and I, I'll, the whole way there, I'm just, I'm just praying over her. I'm saying, Jesus' name, and Jesus' name, and Jesus' name, touch her, heal her. We get to the doctor, and by the time we get there, I kid you not, by the time we get there, that little you was now an I, okay? It was, it was straight. And the, the you was totally gone. And the aunt that just, I don't know why my wife wasn't with me, but like her aunt flagged down a cab and we just jumped in. And she was just looking at it like, she's not a Christian. She was just looking at it like, what, what, what happened there, you know? It was a miracle. God, God touched her. My brother, um, who is a police officer in, in Washington State, uh, several years back, he got, in a, he got in a wreck. He was on duty and he hit a patch of ice and a car hadn't pulled over the side and hit him right on, his, on the driver's side, squished his, like, 44-inch seating capacity down to, like, 18 inches. Just crushed him. When the do- paramedics arrived on the scene, they gave him an 8% chance to live. Uh, they airlifted him to Harborview Hospital, and uh, when they got him there, um, he was in a coma. They thought he'd be in a coma for quite some time, but literally within, I think it was within hours, that same day he came to. And, uh, and so they begin to meet with us. They begin to prepare us for the worst. They say, hey, look, your brother um, and your son, he's, he's never going to be able to walk again. He's going to have to relearn to talk. He'll never be going back to law enforcement. Just this long, in-depth analysis. And, uh, and so literally when we got, I was actually the first one to get the call. When I got the call about this, um, I called my mom. My mom called somebody else. And within two hours, there were people praying all the way in China. For our brother. I mean, it was, you talk about a serious prayer chain, prayer chain, ladies and gentlemen. It's like, if you need prayer, call my mom. She knows so many people, and literally within a couple hours, boom, you're going to have the whole world praying for you. It's awesome. And, uh, and so I'm literally, people are praying around the world, you know. And, and uh, so we get to the hospital. They're giving us this whole diagnosis and, and whatnot. And we're like, okay. So then we, we send out the prayer chain again, and people begin to pray. And, and the next day, the report keeps getting better and better and better and better. And uh, God just continues to do a miracle. And so now he's doing speech therapy. He's learning to talk very quickly, learning to walk very quickly. And they're saying, well, you know what? Actually, he's, he's probably going to talk again. He's probably going to walk again. But he'll probably never be able to go back to work. And then a couple more days go by. You know what? He's doing all those things. And he'll probably go back to work. But he'll be at a desk job for the rest. And we go back to praying and praying and praying. To the point where literally the doctor was like, I'm not sure what you're doing. But just, just keep praying. He would write in prescriptions for prayer. Ladies and gentlemen, is that, is that not true? He was just like, hey, keep praying. Do, it, you know, do, do, do what you got to do. You know, just, just, just keep praying. 
Um, he, he became known as the miracle child in that ward. And literally within six months' time, he was back to full-time work on the street doing his duty. Not only that, ladies and gentlemen, he is the number one cop in the nation to this day for DUI arrests. Now, if you get a lot of DUIs, that's probably not a cool thing to you, but... He was actually on national TV. Uh, they interviewed him on national TV. They showed on primetime live, um, the whole interview, um, because your average police officer gets 21 arrests a year for DUIs. My brother gets 210 arrests a year for DUIs. Um, he's won award after award after award after award after award. I mean, his wall is full of awards. It's ridiculous. As a matter of fact, in his police department, they've taken him off. He can no longer win the award for the most DUIs because it's just like, it's just like okay, look, we know you're going to win it. Let's give it to somebody else. Okay. Why am I telling you that story? Because God does exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ask, think, or imagine. And if he's doing it in the Bible, he can do it today. If he did it for my daughter, he can do it for you. If he did it for my brother, he can do it for you. What is a miracle? What is a miracle? The Hebrew word here, as seen in Judges, is the word palah. And it means wondrous, marvelous works. But the capital H-I-S appears for it, his miracles. What happened to all of his miracles that our fathers told us about? What are though that's his wondrous, marvelous works? What happened to all of his wondrous, marvelous works? Dictionary.com gives it this definition, and it's this. A miracle is an act, or excuse me, an effect, or extraordinary event in the physical world that surpasses all known human and natural powers and is ascribed to a supernatural cause. Ladies and gentlemen, I have to ask you the question today. As a Christ follower, why would you pray every day if you don't believe in the supernatural? Why would you pray every day if you don't believe in a God that can actually come through? Why would you pray every day if you don't believe that God can intervene in your situation and your circumstance? Here's what I've discovered, though, in in, uh, being a pastor for this long. I've discovered that people will actually pray, but they're shocked when it actually happens. I mean, which tells me this, you don't have to have a whole lot of faith when you're praying for it. I mean, I think about this, there's a story in the New Testament about Peter, and Peter's in prison, but the story goes on that Peter's in prison, but the church is praying. And the church is praying, and they're praying, and they're praying, and they're, they're tucked away in some, some room somewhere. And as they're praying, they're praying, you know, God, rescue Peter. God, let Peter out. God, can you get him out of prison? Can you, can you let him out of there? And guess what? An angel appears to Peter, comes in, unlocks his door, like freezes the guards. It's a pretty cool story, actually. I'd like to see that. I want to see that one, that highlight reel when I get to heaven, you know? And the, the guards are like, just boom, there, you know, and, and he just walks right out through an open door, walks to the house where they're praying, knocks on the door, little girl comes and answers the door and says, hey, Peter's here. You know what they said? No, he's not. Must be his ghost or something. He's not here. They're praying for Peter to get out. Peter actually shows up. They don't even believe it's him, Okay. It's amazing to me that as Christians, sometimes we'll pray for things. Well, because it's what we're supposed to do as Christians, right? I'm supposed to pray, supposed to read my Bible and and be a really good person, okay? No, man, you're supposed to experience the supernatural working power of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in your life. Hmm. Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. I believe there's some principles here and some things that we can gather today from this passage that will begin to uncover the question of where are all the miracles? Where are they at? 
Why are they not more common? Not that a miracle ever becomes common to us, but why are they not more active? Why are they not happening more often in our lives? And I believe that there's some things here that we can gather because here are the children of Israel. And God has done so many amazing things for them. But here in the scripture, the Bible says that they begin to do evil in the sight of the Lord. They begin to live in sin. Ladies and gentlemen, could it be sin in us, sin in our church, sin in our society that has begun to rob us from the miracles of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? I have to say yes, because if I read in my Bible that, hey, you know, they begin to do evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord handed them over to Midian. Well, that doesn't sound fair. That doesn't sound like a gracious God. That doesn't sound like a loving God. No, God loves us so much that sometimes he hands us over (laughs) to let that stuff happen in our lives so that we turn back to him. That's how much he loves us. You know what? Love isn't just always us putting up with something. Love sometimes lets go and allows, you know what? Corinthians says, you know, you got to turn them over to the enemy to allow the enemy to have his way so that they'll come back to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Here's the children of Israel. Seven years this is going on. And now they begin to cry out to the Lord. They begin to cry out saying, hey, could you, could you help us out? Man, we, we haven't experienced any supernatural. We haven't experienced any breakthroughs. As a matter of fact, we're, we're, we're famished. We're, we're, our land is desolate. Something, you know, it's bad. Okay, they're crying out. Prophet shows up and says, well, here's why it happened. It happened because you guys turned and did what was evil on the side of the Lord. And then right after that, I love this part. Angel of the Lord comes down and appears to a man named Gideon. This is where everything begins to turn. It's where everything begins to change. Now look at this, though. The Bible says that the angel of the Lord comes down, finds Gideon underneath a tree, threshing wheat in a wine press. Okay? The last time I checked, wine presses aren't meant for wheat. Right? They're meant for grapes. Yeah, so you know how to make wine. They're going to they're they're get in there and mash some grapes and make some wine. But here he is. He's using a wine press to thresh wheat. Why? Well, probably because they didn't have any grapes, but they did have wheat. But he's using a wine press to thresh wheat to hide it from the enemies. Here's something I've realized in my life. That when I'm not living right with God, I tend to hide. But not only do I tend to hide, I tend to use things for purposes they were never meant to be used for. Let me, just, let me just break down a little more. When I have sin in my life, I am using this vessel for something it was never meant to be used for. This vessel was meant to inhabit the Holy Spirit. This vessel was meant to have the presence of God flowing through it. So is yours. The Bible likens the presence of God unto a new wine. That there is a new wine that wants to come inside of you and I. But yet too often times when we separate ourselves from God because of sin in our life, we begin to use the wine vessel, the wine press, if you will, in this story for something that was never meant to be used for. This is Gideon. Angel of the Lord finds him there. Now remember, he says it's hiding wheat. Hiding the wheat from the enemy. But listen to what the angel of the Lord says. He didn't come on the scene and say, hey, wimp! Why are you hiding, loser? (laughs) He doesn't say that. The angel of the Lord comes down, finds Gideon hiding in the wine press from the enemy and says, hey, 
Mighty man of valor. Hey, hero. Hey, you. To the point where Gideon is so stunned, and here's the crazy thing, not stunned that the angel of the Lord appeared to him, stunned that he's being called the mighty man of valor. Are you with me? This perplexes me. Because far too often in the Bible, you think about Mary. Okay, we'll get into this in six weeks. When you think about Mary, when the angel of the Lord appears to Mary. Mary's not troubled that an angel's talking to her. And, and here's the thing. Angel, when you think of angels, you're probably thinking of the little, the little chubby, like, you know, Cupid, right? Shooting people with arrows, right? Okay. Now read about angels in the Bible. They had like six wings. Whew. They're massive. They're bigger than me. That's big. That's big. Okay. They're massive, but they're not freaked out. He's not freaked out that there's an angel of the Lord. He's freaked out that, dude, I'm not mighty. I'm not mighty. But here now we begin to see, and I want to get into it real quickly. Here we begin to see, and we might not get through all of it, but we begin to see now the process that Gideon goes through to answer his own question, where are all the miracles where are all the miracles today? Could it be that the same reasons they were not experiencing the miracles of God is the same reasons that we are not experiencing the miracles of God? Could it be? Could it be? Is there sin in our life? Is there things that are separating us from God doing something miraculous for us? Let's look at this real quickly. What we must do to see miracles again, some things that must be addressed. Number one, the first thing that must be addressed is fear. 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 We must overcome the fear in our lives. Fear, ladies and gentlemen, is the antithesis of faith. It's the complete opposite. The Bible says that uh, in Timothy where it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. If you, if you study out that word fear, it means this, that God has not given us a spirit of faithlessness, but of power, love, and a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear. We need to address the fear that is in our lives. Where does fear come from? You ever heard of this acronym? And maybe it's silly to some of you, and I don't use acronyms a lot, but, but it goes something like this, and it just came to me, so forgive me if I get it wrong. But it's something like false evidence appearing real. Fear. False evidence appearing real. Fear happens in our lives when we begin to look at some, some obstacles and some situations in our lives, and we begin to look at those, and that becomes our reality. Rather than looking to the promise of God's word and allowing that to become our reality. So here's Gideon and the reason he's afraid is because he's looking at the enemy and he's looking at the Midianites and he's looking at all the the famine in the land. He's looking at all this stuff and now this has become his reality and so now he has fear. But when God shows up on the scene, this is so good, when God shows up on the scene, he does not address what Gideon sees. He does not even address Gideon the way Gideon sees himself. How does Gideon see himself? I'm the least of my clan and my clan is the lowest of all the tribes. Really, angel, we are nobody. The angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and begins to speak as he sees him, not as Gideon sees himself. Why do we need to be in the word of God, ladies and gentlemen? Because in the word of God, we don't see ourselves as we see ourselves. We begin to see ourselves as God sees us. We are the head and not the tail. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm more than an overcomer in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but that encourages me a little bit. When I begin to look at my stuff, I begin to think, wow, I can't do this. Wow, I'm really a nobody. Wow, I got all this stuff. 
But God shows up in the middle of that and begins to speak to us as he sees us. God's word trumps ours any day of the week. God's word exceeds our ideas about our life any day of the week. So God shows up. Angel of the Lord, hey, mighty man of God. Completely opposite from the way he sees himself. What what, what things are you looking at today? What obstacles are you focused on today? What situations look too big for you to overcome? But the Bible says you're more than an overcomer in Christ Jesus. You're more than an overcomer. Is someone with me today? In Christ Jesus. You're a mighty man of valor. You're a mighty woman of valor. Hmm. We need to overcome the fear. How? By getting into the word of God. The fear will rob us of the miracles that he has for us. Mark chapter 4. The disciples are in a boat and they're crossing over the water. The wind and the waves crashing in. We might talk about this one over the next six weeks. The wind and the waves are crashing in. Destroying the boat. The Bible says the disciples find Jesus asleep in the back of the boat. Which There's a key there. Jesus should never be in the back of the boat. He should be in the front of the boat. Find him asleep in the back of the boat and they say, hey, Rabbi, don't you, don't you care that we're perishing? The Bible says he wakes up and he rebukes the wind and the waves. And they now are standing in fear and they ask this question, who could this be that even the wind and the waves obey him? You know what he says? He said, oh, ye of little faith. Fear, opposite of faith, will rob us from the miracles that God has for us. This story is so perplexing to me, though, because... They've been handed over to the Midianites. They're in the middle of a seven-year punishment coming to the end of. They're being punished, okay? Here's one thing. When I, when I go and I discipline my daughter, hers, got two of them, when I discipline my daughters, I never sit them down and say, you are a horrible child. This is the kind of behavior that always happens from you. You always talk back. You always, you are a horrible child. I never address them as that. I come in, and I always say, baby, do you know why you're going to get a spanking? I don't want to get a spanking. I know, but do you know why you're going to get a spanking? (laughs) Because I disobeyed. That's right, you disobeyed. Does Kara disobey? No. No, Kara doesn't disobey. And then I read in the scripture, rod of correction, but we always insert spoon. (laughs) The spoon of correction. It looked just like this back in the Bible days, right? <laughs> we'll drive that foolishness far from you. And when I get done disciplining my daughter, I hold her in my arms after some cry. I said, baby, you are a child of God. You are an obedient child. You are righteous. You are holy. When I pray over my daughter, I don't pray that she'd be obedient. I, I, you can ask her. She does this over herself. Now it's so cute. She always says, God, I pray that I would be the obedient little girl that I am. We, 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 we've got to see things as God sees it. Not what our eyes see. We'll end with this one, and then we'll, we'll, we'll get into the next two next week. Things that we must deal with. Number one was fear. We must overcome the fear in our lives. Number two, number two, we must deal with failure. 
we must deal with the failure in our lives. Gideon overcame the fear in his life. Why? Because, because he began to tap into what God said about him. Something began to transition in Gideon's spirit as God began to talk to him. So much so that then God says, hey, now go with this might of yours and defeat the Midianites. There was something that visibly took place in Gideon's life. What was it? It was the fear that was broken off and the faith that began to rise up. But not only that, Gideon had to deal with his own failure. And he deals with his own failure when he realizes that the angel of the Lord is actually God appearing to him. And he goes and he creates his own personal altar right there to the Lord. Far before he goes and he tears down the, the, the prophets of Baal, or the, 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 the Baal and the Asherpole, far, far be, before that, he goes and he creates his own little personal altar. What was he doing? He was creating a place of repentance before God. He had to deal with his own failure, and we must deal with the failure in our lives. It is that failure that separates us. What am I talking, I'm talking about? Sin. That separates us from God. Sin will keep us back. From the miraculous power of God. Ben, how do you know that? Verse 1, chapter 16. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over. Listen to me. Sin will separate us from the miraculous power of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords operating in our life. 2 Timothy, chapter 2 says that there are, in a great house, there are vessels of honor and there are vessels of dishonor. It goes on to say, and it says, but if you cleanse yourself from the latter, from the dishonor, then you'll be holy, sanctified, set apart for the master's use. What is that? That is a vessel that's clean. That is a vessel that's set apart. That is a vessel that's waiting the miraculous power of God. I like to think of it as a cup, okay? How many of you guys have cups at home that you drink out of? Good, so we can all relate to this. Okay, good. Now, obviously, when you take a cup, you don't have it upside down because nothing's gonna happen except you're gonna make a mess, right? You try to pour, it's, it's, it's not gonna happen. What do you do? You, you, you flip it right side up. And then you can fill the vessel. But how many of you guys have ever gone to your cupboard, grabbed that cup off, and you go to pour and you look and you're like, oh, the dishwasher, right? And you got like chunks in your glass. Come on, somebody, okay? How many of you still continue to drink out of that glass? Please don't raise your hand, okay? I don't know about you, but there are times when, when I would get done working out, and, and I'd come down, and I'm thirsty, and I'd go up, and I'd grab a glass. I'd be ready to pour that water. I'd be like, oh, man, and then it's the last glass. And all you want to do is just have a drink. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right, of water, and you just, you just want to have some water to quench your thirst because you just got done running, and it's dirty, and you go, and there's no more. The last thing you want to do is wash that thing. So what do you do is take the pitcher, right? <laughs> That's what I do anyway. Okay. It's so frustrating when you go, and it's, and it's dirty. I mean, it's up there waiting to be used, but then it comes time to be used. And, and I believe that's the way God is sometimes with us. We're there, and we're waiting to be used. God comes, pulls the vessel off the shelf and goes to pour. Oh. Can't use that one. Can't use that one. I believe this. I believe it's actually us keeping ourselves pure and holy that honors God. 
Man, our faith honors God. We know that. We see that in the Bible. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. But there's something else that honors God, ladies and gentlemen, and it is when he comes and he finds a vessel that is pure, that is clean, that he can begin to pour himself out on. Because here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, the miracle is not just for you, but you are to be a conduit and carry miracles everywhere you go. There are people you work with. There are people you live next to. There are people you live with that need a miracle, and God wants to use you to bring that miracle to them but he can't why because he goes and he looks in the cup and oh they haven't dealt with the stuff that's in their life haven't dealt with it but i believe it's when we keep ourselves clean yes faith but when we keep ourselves clean mark chapter 6 verse 5 mark chapter 6 verse 5 tells a story jesus is at his own hometown The Bible says he can't do very many miracles there because they weren't honoring him as Lord. It says that a prophet is without honor amongst his own people. So he he healed a few sick people, but he couldn't do any great miracles, the Bible says. Why? Because he wasn't honored. Where are all the miracles? Where are all the miracles that we read about in the Bible? Where are they at? Where are they at? We've got to overcome fear. We've got to overcome failure. And I believe that we'll begin to see miracles in our life once again. Stand to your feet, close your eyes. I want to read this verse to you as we conclude today. I believe this with all my heart. I believe God's going to do a miracle for you today. I believe there's some of you here today, you need that miracle. But listen to me, if you don't have that miracle breakthrough today, Don't stop believing for your miracle. Don't stop believing for your miracle. Look, you go to the the gas station, you fill up with gas, and when it runs out of gas, you don't throw the car away. (sighs) Stupid car. Stop running. What do you do? You go back to the gas station. Listen, when you you get sick, you don't don't stop taking, you you, you take that Theraflu, right? (laughs) You go back to that Theraflu until that that flu's gone. Guess what? Flu season comes around, you get, you get sick again. What do you do? You go back to the Theraflu. Hmm. Why is it with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords when he doesn't come through on our demand that we just like, oh, it's not for me. That's no, not real. No. You don't do that with anything else in life. Why do it with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Why do it with him? Why do it with him? God wants to heal you today. God wants to touch you today. 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, then, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. Wow. Wow. Something that needs to happen. Where are all the miracles? God, where are all the miracles that we read about in the Bible? Where are the miracles that the pastor told us about today? I'm like Gideon. I want to know where are all the miracles. I need one. I need a miracle in this situation. I need a miracle in my body. I need a miracle in my relationship. I need a miracle in my finances. I need a miracle. Where are all the miracles? Where are they at? Where are they at? Where are they at? Where are they at? Where are they at?